Hi everybody, Steve Holliday here again and welcome back to my podcast, Our Leadership Voices Uncut. As you know, I'm exploring my own uncut leadership everyday voice and also exploring my own presence and impact alongside celebrating, sharing and revealing the just awesome, ordinary, everyday, uncut leadership voice of some people I've managed to meet along the way in my life. This um, series of three that you are now in the middle of is with Dale Robson, my fourth co-host. And as you know, if you've listened to the others, we recorded three episodes back in September 2019 when we were holed up in a hotel room in Newcastle. And um, we. Uh, this third episode is an episode uh, called I Am Not Your Leader. So this was the second of some content that we recorded and uh, it was exploring to what degree you um, people are okay to accept the role of leader and what that means. So um, let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. So this is uh, our podcast, Stephen Dill's podcast. And here we're going to talk around a subject which we've labelled I am not your leader. And kind of, I guess, what do we really mean by that? I think the, uh, the introduction and the subject that we're going to talk about is people accepting the role or the label as being a leader is very difficult for most people to accept. And we're gonna try and explore why that is and you know why other people gravitate towards becoming a good leader. So that's the, um, that's the content. I guess if I pose that question to you, Steve, what's your, you know, what's your starting thoughts? I am, um, so rather than, I thought rather than take a you know, a, a, a position initially as, as a professional in the space, you know, as somebody who's helping others to develop their leadership. I thought I was thinking about what happens to me when I do or don't accept that position of leader. You know, personally, you know, to, to lead in my family, to lead at work when I've been a manager. I'm thinking about why is it, why, why is it, why was it difficult for me at times to make sense through my own experience rather than it being an academic study, you know. And um, my, my initial response is, I think it's, it, for me, it, it can and has been and still can be the weight of responsibility, I think, of, is a big factor. You know, I feel the, 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 the sense of expectation, both from others, but also f- on, f- from myself. So there's something about the weight of expectation um, is one big factor in, you know, can I sit on that, embrace that, and then work with it, or does it run me over? And it does run me over sometimes. To, to add to what you've just said there, you know, f- from my perspective, sometimes it's difficult for people to feel like they are putting themselves in that position, you know, and who are they to, oh. to you know, to, to yeah. take it upon themselves and to, um, <laughs> to act as a leader or to... Um, to do something which could be seen as as leading you know as leading others yeah i think you know i think most people are quite reserved about uh you know about wanting to overtly do that and um you know there's a lot i think there's a lot of fantastic leaders who it's it's not overt at all you know they're doing it subliminally they are continually leading others and influencing others without having to inject the the power and the control yeah yeah so, from my side, I think there's a general. I think a lot of people have a general reluctance to want to 
they seem to be putting themselves in that position, you know, as if they're somehow they're um, putting themselves above other people, you know. So what's that about then? That's the fear of what? What's that the fear yeah, of? I think maybe being seen to be being more than you know what you know than everyone else. You know, I think <laughs> I think a lot of people are reluctant to you know to you know fit to come across as that they're better than other people, and I think that you know maybe taking the act of leadership people might feel reluctant to do that in case people view that of, of them um, mm. could be one aspect to it so it's like a fear of judgement so while I might know that or they might know that what they're doing really helps the judgement of others could be some people really appreciate it and value it and other people are saying who do you think you are what are you What are you doing yeah. and I think if you look at it from a perspective of the people you know of, of followers as well as the leader I think in a lot of situations that's probably unfounded because um, sometimes when people step forward and take um, you know take action or or say something which initiates you know other people to you know to also take action um, sometimes it's quite comforting to say that you know yes the person next to me are willing to put themselves forward and that gives me confidence that I'm willing to go with them so I think some of that is self, you know, it's self-imposed a lot, yeah. a lot of that. And, yeah. you know, for me personally, I, you know, I'd certainly find that's somewhat, you know, a challenge, especially in, you know, in unusual or different circumstances to my normal, you know, the, the, you know business as usual situation to be the person to put yourself forward, to be seen as that leader, you know, to take that initiative, um, you know, it isn't always a natural um, state of mind. When I'm in my comfort zone, in a knowledge area that I know, or in a group of people that, you know, that I have a knowledge of or relationships with, I find it much, much, much easier to adopt that, um, you know, and to take acts of leadership. But, you know, in a, um, in an unknown environment, in an unknown context, on a subject matter that I'm not so comfortable with, you know, that's quite daunting, and I, I'm sure that that's a common um, feeling for other people. So, so questions of um, competence and can I can I step out and do that even if I think I might be able to? What will it be like? Um, and I, I can remember um, a number of instance, instances, particularly if I talk about from an organisational perspective, like using the org chart as an idea, the structure, particularly at the more frontline levels of an organisation. I've often had people say to me. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not a leader because I don't manage people. You know, who am I to lead? You know, it's like, yeah, but we can see that actually you do need to. You are you are a leader, and you do need to lead, and we need you to. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not a manager. I'm not. I'm not a leader. So there's an old language of lead, leadership is constructed upon those that are managing and on an org chart at more senior there's levels. A, you know, there's a complete misnomer that uh, manager and leader is interchangeable and synonymous yeah. with each other, and I don't, I don't believe that is, of course, you know, you know, in a role of management in hierarchical sense, it might come with some leadership duties, but that doesn't preclude other people from, you know, from being an effective leader. Yeah, I mean, talking about. Um, you know, when we were speaking earlier and I was mentioning about people's reluctance and kind of self-doubt about taking active leadership, um, let me ask you, you know, you, you know, you're a leadership coach and quite often you're dealing with really, really experienced executive leaders. 
um, who are coming to you and you're working with them as a as a client base. How does it feel to you as being in in that domain? You're the you're like the leader in a in a domain of, of in other, a field in a field of other of other leaders are coming to you with guidance for their leadership. That must be quite a daunting place to be. How do you deal with that? How do you reconcile that for yourself? Um, How do I deal with that? Um, I think it's about... I'm thinking about what helps now. I'm wondering how do I deal with that. How I deal with that is about having a... I think there's something about rigour of... of a rigour and a discipline around continuing to develop myself. So knowing that in the background I'm continuing to take care of my own personal development, good supervision of my own coach, that I'm checking that my competence is, is being maintained and developed, which includes me being aware that I'm not perfect and you know I'm human too and I'm not going to have all the answers. So that's number one, so that when I meet them, I'm, I feel like I've done my work and I'm ready. So you've got preparation in hand. Yeah, and I'm not perfect, but I'm, I've got a craft developing, keeping, keeping myself fit, if you like, you know, for the for when they come, I think it's also about which is linked to I think to this to this podcast question, which podcast question, which is I am not your leader, which is I'm not there to rescue them. I'm inviting them in to say we have work to do, and I expect you to do yours as much as I bring mine. So it actually becomes a partnership. So uh, yeah, I think that's one other way I cope's interesting word thrive. I think. Is to ask people to join me. I'm not here as a rescuer. In, in, in what you've just mentioned and the conversation we've had so far, however you go about it, there is still an intrinsic um, discussion to be had around status, though. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I think um, it's probably too um, it's probably incorrect and too crude to describe. Um, you know of being a leader to always play the high status. I actually think maybe the uh, the great quality of um, of outstanding leadership is using your status and using your power appropriately to the situation. And if um, if that means um, stepping back and um, and actually uh, bringing uh, bringing yourself down to create space for others because that's the right thing to do for the situation. And that's a really powerful, um, you know, act of leadership. Where you know, rather than, you know, whatever the Oxford Dictionary thing was, where this <laughs> d- d- dominion, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you know, for me, that's uh, that, you know, that status play is something that, you know, people have to be aware of. Does that matter to you? That sounds like that matters to you. It, I mean, it, it doesn't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Status per se isn't important. To me, no. whether um, you know whether there's a perceived hierarchy or anything like that, you know, I feel confident in myself to speak my own mind in situations, especially when I, um, you know, when I'm talking in confidence about areas that you know that I know and understand. Um, but I think it, you know it can't be separated that status, you know, the perception of status has an impact on how how I land or how other people land towards me mm. and so once you know that it's part of the you know of the situation um, and part of the landscape that has to be dealt with you've got to pay attention to it and I um, you know 
think when I'm not at my best, then and not giving myself space to pay attention to it, and I don't have a, um, and I'm not acting with with purpose in that. With that, you know, so mm. uh, you know, part of my kind of practice of leadership as someone that's not, I'm, you know, I'm not a leadership expert, but someone that has has it as a facet of my role, is where I give myself a chance to reflect and maybe, especially when I'm going to unique situations where, in advance of entering into a situation and thinking about the people that I'm going to be working with to kind of ask myself the question what is this situation going to require of me from a leadership perspective and how am I going to play my status um, you know uh, you know how am I going to um, adapt to what other people are bringing as well because it's so dynamic anyway you know <laughs> I, I feel like I, I like to do that as you called it the fitness or the preparation you know, when I'm when I'm paying attention, then I like to do that kind of uh, mental homework before I enter a situation. But to come in with a completely closed, preconceived idea is not, um, you know, not the right thing either. You know, I have to think about it and be open and curious to how the situation develops when you get there. You know. It's quite hard to put into words, all, but I'm kind of explaining it in a good way. But what, 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 you, what you're brilliantly, I think, trying to uh, are explaining is that it's uh, there's, there's, there's something about... So you named status and power. It's what you named, and about how we use it. And um, I, I can certainly... And, and there's, a, there's a practice in meeting people where they are. You know, meeting people in the space they're in. So we meet some people, and sometimes it's us that turns up like this. Sometimes we turn up pumped up, overexcited, want to control things, want to run, run and make everything happen and rescue. We want to blame. We want to, you know, we've got this higher energy that is going to run people over when they're not ready. And we sometimes turn up quite flat. And we, we're not quite there, and we're tired, and we're a bit despondent, and we don't know quite know what to do, and we feel stuck, and we want to just survive and sleep. And, and what you're describing is a quality of presence that's in between those two. You're talking about turning up authentically as yourself and actually doing the work to say, I'm ready, but I'm, I, I, don't, I need to be re- thinking about how I need to be ready and I need to think about the people in the room. And, I, and, and, and as a manager and as a senior manager, there is also, and particularly with me maybe, there is a, con- there is a, a power and status projected onto you you know, and I, I, there's a brilliant um, uh, coach I've come across who's recently, Megan Wright, who's recently done some research around speaking truth to power and written a book called Speak Up. And one of her interesting threads of research was we're all, particularly managers and senior leaders, are much more scary than they think they are. So even if you're aware of what your impact is, other people will think you're scarier than that. So I think what you're putting your finger on is to be generous, be aware of your power and status and to, to own it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect with it. I think that's what you're also saying. But, yeah. but in, in, our, in our previous work together, you gave me like um, a little bit of a, a thought process where you kind of described energy. You, know, you mentioned yeah. energy earlier and you kind of broke it down into physical energy, emotional energy and intellectual energy. And spiritual energy, yeah. exactly. And, and yeah. if, if we, um, you know, if we take those um, kind of aspects, and you think about that from a leadership perspective, all of those different elements combine 
you know, it, it, together at once um, to give an impression to people. You know, just you know, simple ones. We've all been in a in a room where physically you're giving out body language you know if you're on your phone or you're writing emails and you're in a you're in a group you're you're giving out a message to the rest of the group that you're less interested in in the group and the people around you than you would be if you were sat Mm. you know um, engaged in what was going on in the room you know same as um, intellectual energy you know if you um you know, if you've if you're coming in with a fixed mindset and you know you've already a preconceived idea of how things are going, then it's so obvious to other people. So you know, piecing all those things together, you know, is um, is, is really a you know, really part of the skill. And you know, it's, you know, some people, um, I think some people are, are better than others at it. But the question is why. And you know, I personally believe that. Everyone's got the capacity to be a good leader in different circumstances. Um, you know, it's how do you grow it? I mean, that's a really, you know, that's probably a bigger question for another. Um, for another, for another podcast, yeah. Another podcast. The question is, how do you grow your readership? Yeah, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm I keep uh, there's a, that question. I, I am not your leader. You know, it it has a number of we've we've explored a couple of territories already. One of um, um, I, do, I, I feel a reluctance to lead and then if I do lead what will people say then there's another aspect which is I'm not going to rescue you you know it's you asking me about when a when a, a site manager or a director walks in the room and for the first time we're doing work together and I'm, I know I've got this expectation in myself and they've got it of me that I hope I'm good enough I hope I'm, I'm expert enough and I can help them so there's this I am I am not your leader has a has some interesting dynamics to it about one person wanting to step in and not wanting to step in, another person not wanting to rescue. <laughs> so, so if we look at it we're looking at it from the you know, the negative side of it, which is, you know, people's reluctance. You know, f- could you give some thoughts or insights into why do some people naturally gravitate to taking a you know to taking that leadership role, why why does it why is it comfortable for certain people? You know, if we look at the the ones that are drawn to it. Cool. That's a big question. <laughs> That's a huge question. Uh, I'm wondering what my uh, what my kind of um, because it's not ne- well it, it, to try and unlock it a little bit. Like what I observe is. It's not necessarily to do with being an introvert or an extrovert. No, no, um, no, no, no. I, I, you know, so it's not an act of being, uh, you know, putting yourself out there necessarily. You know, um, in the sense of, you know, being, uh, you know, being necessarily being vocal. You know, there's great leaders who are who are not. Um, don't take too much of the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Versa. Well, my dad, you know, at the risk of involving our family a little bit, you know, I can, uh, I, I used to. Years and years ago, I used to, when asked, not that long ago, 10, 15 years, or 15 years ago maybe, when asked, um, when I first got on management training programs and talent programs, when asked who were your hero leaders, I would use like Stephen Covey and Gandhi and all sorts of really weird examples, more exotic, charismatic examples. But now I, uh, I think of my dad. He's, he's ever the introvert, he's a quiet man. And I learned as I got older 
but actually I was more like him than I realized. I always thought I was like my mom, who's the extrovert, who's will talk to anybody, who will, like, when she goes on holiday, she builds all sorts of relationships from nothing. She's just, she's a fixer, a gatherer, you know. My dad is paramedic for 34 years, you know, walking into crisis situations, cool, sit in the room for an hour and not really dominate, but be there. And you always knew he's there, right? I realized actually I learned a lot from him. I thought, wow, okay, so he can be in a room with a group of people, be captain of a golf club, as he has been recently, but do it quietly. There are moments where he speaks and he's and he's heard, but he does a lot of the work behind the scenes, nudges people, builds relationships, asks the right questions at the right moment. And your question to me was, was why is it some people do that more easily and some don't? I think the reason I said, Christ, that's a big question is because I think it is a complex answer. I think, but I think some of it is about, my sense is some of it is about background. You know, it's about the family circle we've been part of, I think, and the experiences we've had in life. Uh, and then I think some of it is about, so some of that may be about nature, maybe, you know, but I think, I think then it is about nurture. It is about what you were talking about, about practice. If you get the opportunity to be supported, to be invited in, to um, have the chance to even think about the idea that you might be a leader, that you could lead on something, and to understand that that doesn't mean you have to be at the top of a company, that you could be the person in a crisis, and we're in a hotel sat here, God forbid there's a, there's, a, there's a real problem with, in the, maybe there's a problem with the food and the chef's ill and, you know, or there's a, there's a problem with the technology or the kit, that somebody somewhere is doing what they can to lead in that situation to make something happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Why are they comfortable at stepping in and some people aren't? I think it's through experience and then being supported in trying it out, I think. I mean, if I, if I just think about behaviours in general, I think a lot of behaviours generally are developed by people taking action and they um, get feedback on how that action landed. And if it was a positive experience, they tend to do it more. And over time, that becomes kind of a habit and a, you know, and a, and a way of, or a characteristic. Mm. You know, and I think we all know that in, in more circumstances, you know, at some level, you know, people require um, a certain level of leadership, you know, all the time. And I guess if people have, over time, put themselves forward uh, in their actions to take, adopt that leadership style, and then, you know, people have been appreciative of that, and they, you know, and they've had a positive feedback, positive experience from that, you know, they probably develop that as a natural reaction and, you know, almost intuitively, you know, when the situation arises, the more, mm. maybe not an orchestra, but the more predisposed to take, um, yeah. to take that, adopt that role, um, you know, than others. And other people who are not those early adopters who've done that probably uh, hone in a characteristic where they, um, you know, are accepting and comfortable in um, taking a cue from someone else. You know, and over time, it kind of... Uh, gives people let's call it a starting position yeah um, you know yeah. And, and and i guess you know if people go in their leadership style and go in their own leadership practice then 
you know, it's the act of taking yourself out of that initial predisposition and, you know, and being more versatile and decide, you know, in, in to which role to adopt, you know, and in which manner and how. Well, it makes, it makes me think about um, our original question, which is what is leadership? Because it, it's, it's contextual. So, you know, there's somebody that, somebody that might show a young person might have gone through university and then come out and not got a job and got a bit stuck and, but then actually finds their ground, finds a way to, to recognise the pattern they're in and then actually shows the leadership to actually start to get off their ass and do something about it. And they might not know what to do, but they know that they've got, they've got drive to try and do something about it and change the situation. Now, and to me, that's leadership. You know, to ask for help, to realise they need to put a new plan together, they can't stay stuck in the old pattern. That's leadership. Now, can that same person then be the chief executive of a large organisation and command and work with all the power and politics and theatre of a senior company position? Maybe, maybe not. But they're still forms of leadership. But they're in different contexts, aren't they? You know, know, the person who's battling with a a very difficult disease and trying to get well again and worried about whether they're going to be here in three years. That's leadership, you know. But it's in different settings and contexts. And how do they do it? How do they not do it? I think it's back to when I have to, when I may want to, and being asked to lead a hundred people, or a thousand people, or I'm being asked to, in that moment, be the person in my peer group that says, "No, this is not okay. Stop." <laughs> in whatever situation, it, it, you ha- you were talking about the, the being. You made me think of safety. That, it, that I get enough practice and I have a, maybe a boss or people around me that make it okay for me to have a go. And then the more I do it, the more I get comfortable with it. And I grow my competence, my, my area of expertise. Ah, I can do this. But it's that initial stepping in and out. But I think that brings us back to power and status and what you were talking about, the environment they're in. And then the leader... The manager may be the most influential people in the room that make it okay, not okay, for them to flourish. Question. That's what makes me think back to power and status. Yeah, I agree, and um, you know, I think it's leading us on to some other subjects. And so, yeah, for the for the time being, we'll, we'll pause it there, and we'll we'll come with another another subject that we'll try to. Uh, to do some investigation I guess I'm interested in what other people's viewpoints are as well and you know, over time we'll try to bring other people into the discussion really really enjoyed having the chat so thanks very much me too I hope everybody else did as well we'll speak soon hi everybody Steve Holliday here again just a short message to say that's the end of the series of three from Dale Robson and I that we created back in September 2019 it's so great to hear those again and explore them and see what stands and um, uh, to to acknowledge that I was podcasting with him before I was ready to actually go live and uh, it only took another 18 months so here we are I'm going to pause here um, but in the next episode uh, that comes you will hear Dale Robson and I reflecting on the material we created and also creating uh, a new set of conversations which will be split across two episodes. But for now, uh, enjoy what you've had so far. Bye.